You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in, Browns fans. On this great Friday, before week one kicks off for the Cleveland Browns, we had a great game last night between the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos, a Super Bowl rematch that seemed to live up to its hype, has a lot of drama coming out of it with the hits to the head to Cam Newton. And now we get to look forward to our Cleveland Browns. I am your host, Jared Mueller, for this Locked On Browns podcast. Thanks for stopping by today. Hope you've had a great week. Hopefully for some of you it was short. And hopefully for most of you, you are excited about the Browns and their season, even for all the struggles that they'll have. So today, we'll preview the AFC North a little bit, and then we'll get into what we're expecting for week one for the Browns and my game predictions. So let's just dive right in, uh, looking at the AFC North, a division that has been great for years. The North has been great for years. It's a division that has sent three teams to the playoffs very recently. Uh, it's been headlined, obviously, by the Steelers and the Ravens, uh, who have really just been kind of the uh, foundational pieces. And then the Cincinnati Bengals really have uh, taken it to a new level for themselves, uh, you know, over the last five to eight years with Marvin Lewis. And so uh, many people have high expectations for the North. Uh, many see the Steelers maybe as the class of the division uh, based on that amazing offense that they have. And then they see the, the Bengals not far behind with a great, deep, talented roster headed by A.J. Green on offense and a variety of defenders who, uh, like Geno Atkins, that really excite uh, teams uh, as well as analysts. And, so, and then you have the Baltimore Ravens who uh, often tend to make something out of nothing. And so it'll be interesting this year whether they're able to do that again while many people are kind of counting them out. And then obviously we have our Cleveland Browns. So if you look at a lot of analysts, the Steelers are a popular pick to make it to the Super Bowl, Um, generally ranked in the top five going into the season. The questions are are very clear. Who plays defense for the Steelers? So while we know Big Ben and that offensive line and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, who plays defense for the Steelers? Le'Veon Bell is suspended for three games, but D'Angelo Williams... Uh, will be more than suitable as a replacement for the first three weeks and then as a one-two punch with Bell and can line up next to Roethlisberger together. One can be split out. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of excitement there. Who plays defense for the Steelers? That's really the question. So outside of Cam Hayward, you know, Buckeyes fans, we love Ryan Shazier, but he's not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He can make some plays in, in the pass game and Uh, really dissects run game pretty well. But besides those two guys, the Steelers are looking for someone to stand out for them on that defense. And I'm just not sure who those players are going to be that's really going to allow them to succeed. We have a lot of worries about the Browns defense, which we'll talk about here in a second, and maybe have hopes that their offense can be good. But the Steelers, when you look at kind of their base defense, sure, Stefan Tuitt out of Notre Dame, could be someone that could be exciting, but he hasn't proved anything yet. In the middle, Javon Hargrave, fine, but again, as a nose tackle, really isn't going to make a lot of an impact. Jarvis Jones out of Georgia, there were a lot of concerns about his size and his length, being able to rush the passer, and so far in his career, really hasn't shown the kind of impact plays 
that you would want out of your outside linebackers and that the Steelers are really used to getting out of their outside linebackers. In his three seasons, he's played 36 games. He's had five sacks. So not sure we're going to see a lot of impact from him. You have Lawrence Timmons, obviously a player Browns fans know, uh, has been very, very talented in his years with the Steelers. But he's 30 and really as an inside linebacker isn't going to make the impact plays that the Steelers need. And then they brought in Arthur Motes, you know, an outside linebacker who um, at 28 hasn't really done much in the league. So for his career, uh, he was with Buffalo for a few years, last two years with the Steelers. He's had eight sacks with the Steelers in two seasons, five with the Buffalo Bills, a total of 13. Where are the impact players that the Steelers are going to be able to rely on because we know defense wins championships. That's just not something that's said. We saw that with the Denver Broncos. We've seen that for years upon years, that defense wins championships. The offense will get them there, and it's going to be a very exciting offense, um, even without some of the players that they expected to have on the team, uh, whether that's at wide receiver um, with a suspension or at tight end. There's some injury concerns there. Even without all of that, the Steelers are going to have a great offense. They have no defense. And so while many people are looking at the Steelers as one of the top five teams in the league, I'm looking at the Steelers to win nine, maybe ten games. They still can win the division, and obviously a nine and ten win season are good. But compared to what people are expecting of them, I'm not sure it's that kind of season for them. Even if they happen to win 12 or 13 games, I don't expect much out of them in the playoffs. They could prove me wrong. But based on what their team looks like, I don't see enough on the defensive side that's really going to make that kind of impact. While the offense is going to be fun, just don't see it. The Bengals are another team. You look at their roster, and there's there's talent all over the place. Their offensive line is going to be solid. They've drafted very well uh, in preparation to replace some players. But outside of A.J. Green and with Tyler Eifert hurt at tight end, I'm not sure if they're really that confident in the rest of the receiving core. And so will James Wright be able to kind of step up in that role? Brandon LaFell coming over from New England, not sure he's a number two receiver. Tyler Boyd out of Pitt is someone that has excited many people as a, um, as a rookie. But again, he's a rookie. And so a lot is, again, going to fall on, on Andy Dalton. And then the running game with Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, and with Bernard splitting out. I still think the Bengals are going to have a good season. But can their defense, with a lot of high picks in the secondary, can they actually show something more than they've shown in the past? Kirkpatrick um, and Darquez Denard, ha- Denard just haven't really lived up to that first-round billing. Uh, can they can they kind of move forward in that? Are they going to m- miss Reggie Nelson uh, at the safety position? We know George Ioka is back, um, and they really like him a lot as a free agent that they brought back. Uh, that they were a little worried about losing. Their defensive line with Carlos Dunlap and Michael Johnson getting after the quarterback is going to be very, very good. Petco and Atkins complement each other very, very well. And then they have some linebackers who can stop the run but are pretty slow. And so Vontez Perfect, Ray Malaluga, they don't really cover great. And then you have Carlos Dansby coming over from the Browns. It'll be interesting to see him in a 4-3 defense, something that he hasn't been in in a little while. So I think, again, the Bengals may have that 9-7, and 10-6 season, uh, but are probably not going to be Super Bowl contenders. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they don't win in the playoffs once again. 
do they look to replace Andy Dalton in the future, whether that's with a first or second round pick, or do they decide to make some other moves? Because they have always had a very good roster. They have not been able to get over the top, and last year may have been their best year. And the Ravens, they got Steve Smith to come back one more year, but as their number one receiver, I'm not sure he's got enough in him and how he'll come back, though I do have him on my fantasy team. Mike Wallace is a speedster that drops the ball. We saw it in Pittsburgh. We saw it with Minnesota. We saw it with Miami Dolphins. Brashard Perryman, a second-year player, technically a rookie because he didn't play at all last year. We'll see how he develops as a, as a first-round pick last year who hasn't played and just got cleared. Running backs, Justin Forsett, they cut him, but he's probably going to start for them. Terrence West, we all know about him and his difficulties with holding onto the ball. Kenneth Dixon is hurt, but the rookie is probably their future, so he'll be exciting for them. And then we have the Cleveland Browns. I don't know what to expect from the Cleveland Browns, given the fact that our division, I think, is going to take a step back. I think the Ravens are going to win another six, maybe seven games uh, this season. Uh, will the Browns take advantage of the division kind of coming back to them? Will Robert Griffin III, Hugh Jackson, Terrell Pryor, Josh Gordon, will all of those guys, Corey Coleman, Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell, will they be able to make up for uh, uh, what looks like to be a mediocre and very young defense? It's possible. It's exciting. But again, I look at them, five or six, seven wins wouldn't shock me. An eight and eight season probably is where I would be overly shocked for the Browns. Uh, so as a division overall, I think it will come down to the Bengals and the Steelers, but we're not going to be talking about the, the 10, 11, and 12 win seasons. We're probably not going to be talking about two teams getting in the playoffs. Instead, we're going to be looking at a division winner with nine or 10 wins and a lot of holes going into the playoffs. Fantasy football fans, this is it. It's finally opening week of the NFL regular season, and that means FanDuel is back. FanDuel, fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. There's no busted seasons, no injured players that just ruin everything. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. This year, there's some new upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try the beginner contest for new players only. Settle a score with a friend and some head-to-head contests. Try the 50-50 contest where the top half wins cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement and even more money. You can even win big in their Sunday Million League, set at $2 million this week for the opening week. Or you can play for a dollar. There's just choices for every budget. And this week's Sunday Million Contest is paying out $2 million, $200,000 to the first place winner. I know for me and FanDuel and even for my boss, uh, it's just an exciting time. To, to really get engaged with different players, watch different games, have different meanings. So really encourage you to step up your fantasy game. Go to FanDuel. Um, there's a lot of really exciting players, and even for the Browns. Do you take a gamble on Robert Griffin III this week against a somewhat suspect Eagles defense? With FanDuel, have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to the NFL's 50-50 beginner contest that are valued up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries varies based on deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code LO Browns. That's all capitals, LO Browns. That's FanDuel.com, promo code LO Browns. Void where prohibited.
So now we've previewed the AFC North. We, we know what we expect out of the AFC North. What are the Browns going to do in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles? I've previewed the keys for the Browns and the Eagles already. I think for the Browns, it's going to be all about on the offense. Can they get some consistency? Can they run the ball? Can they stay out of some three and outs, keeping their very, very terrible defense off the field? That's going to be huge for them. And then can they get some hits on Carson Wentz? Are they going to be able to stop the run game while on their way to the quarterback? That'll be huge for the Browns so that they can really put themselves in positions defensively uh, to be aggressive so that they're not letting their secondary uh, stay out there and try to cover for too long. And then for the Eagles, I think the Eagles offensively have to mix things up. They can't just try to run the ball on first and second down, allowing the Browns to pin their ears back on third down. Um, They have to be able to mix it up with some short passes, some intermediate throws, and then just some some balls that are down the field that are either going to be incomplete or going to be big score or big touchdowns for their team. They've really got to be able to mix that up on the offensive side of the ball so the Browns don't find them to be predictable. Defensively, can they make Robert Griffin III a little skittish in the pocket? Can they get some pressure on him? Can they force him in a position where uh, he's not really comfortable, where maybe he's going to be running the ball a little bit more, um, where he is trying to do too much. Can they do that in a way to kind of put him back into some of those old kind of uh, habits that we saw in Washington? I think that'll be key for the Eagles if they can get that pressure, get some hits on RG3 uh, to put him out of his comfort zone. For me, this game seems very, very simple. This is a game of Hugh Jackson versus Doug Peterson, the head coaches. Both uh, first time in their positions with their current teams. Hugh has the one year of experience, but besides that, both of them are stepping in as as inexperienced head coaches. For me, my money is on Hugh Jackson. When we look at his experience with the Bengals uh, and even with the Raiders, we saw a very creative game planner who wasn't afraid to try things, wasn't afraid to mix things up. When we look at Doug Peterson, on the other hand, with his experience under Andy Reid, both in Philadelphia and then with the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't see that kind of creative playing, playmaker, uh, play designer. You see someone who tends to play a little bit conservative, um, who wasn't even good enough to take over play calling out of Andy Reid's hands, even the number of years that they had been together. And so for me, as both teams are really in a transitional phase, the Browns have had Robert Griffin III installed as their starter pretty much since the start of, of OTAs and training camps. The Philadelphia Eagles just traded their starting quarterback, didn't have Carson Wentz on the field for most of the preseason, most of the training camp. And so you have two teams that are really in that transitional phase. One of them has stabilized their team moving forward and knew the direction they were going to go at the game's most important position. The other just made that decision a few days ago and have had no time, no continuity with that quarterback. While defensively the Eagles have much more talent and are much more proven, they're also changing systems. And so the Jim Schwartz wide nine, while while that can get a lot of pressure on the offense, really takes a lot of nuance, especially for the linebackers who have to fill in some of the gaps that are created by those wide nine sets by the defensive defensive ends. If you didn't listen to one of my Lockdown Browns podcasts talking about that, that just the wide nine just means that they're even farther outside of the tackles and the tight end 
than most of the time. A 4-3 defensive end normally is playing a 7 technique, which is on the outside shoulder of the tackles. The wide 9s are then on the outside of what would then be a tight end, even if the tight end's not there. So that creates more gap integrity issues uh, for the inside guys, um, and as well as the linebackers trying to fill in. So um, I think the Browns are going to take advantage of that. I think you're going to see some counter plays. I think you're going to see Joe Thomas on the left side with his high-level intelligence just pushing that uh, defensive end out farther, knowing t that he's opening up a run lane on the inside. I think Hugh Jackson is going to scheme against that in a way. And I think our defense, while it's not going to play great, I think it's going to play with so much speed and so much reckless abandon. I think you're going to see uh, Ray Horton put a lot of pressure uh, on the quarterback. And you're going to see the cornerbacks, as well as uh, when the linebackers are playing in coverage, play pretty tight to try to force Carson Wentz to put the ball in very short, small windows. And having Jordan Poyer kind of playing that center field for any of those deep balls. So again, uh, my money is on, on Hugh Jackson. Uh, especially because he's going against Doug Peterson. And so my prediction for week one for the Cleveland Browns facing off with the Philadelphia Eagles is Cleveland Browns 28, Philadelphia Eagles 24. That may surprise some of you Browns fans. But again, I believe in Hugh Jackson. I believe in the offensive talent, and I believe in his ability as a coach. When you look back at the 8-8 eight eight Raiders that he had for one season, there wasn't that much talent on that roster, and he delivered an 8-8 eight eight season, one that seemed to crumble near the end with all of the issues they had. Uh, I had an interaction with Amy Trask on Twitter this week. She talked about how Hugh made it through some very, very difficult times. That's the man I believe in. Does that mean I'm going to predict the Browns are going to win a lot of games this year? No, as I talked about in the AFC North preview at the beginning of the show. I think the Browns win five, six, maybe seven games this year. But again, they're not tanking. And I believe in the talent on this roster, and I believe in Hugh Jackson as a coach. What about you, Browns fans? Hit me up on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. -L -L -E Tell me why you think I'm right. Tell me why you think I'm wrong. I love to interact with the fans and look forward to hearing from you. And I look forward to checking in with you hopefully this weekend uh, with Torin Davenport. We're going to try to check in uh, and do a little co-hosting show for you just to share from both sides, uh, from the Eagles and from the Browns. And then Monday morning, we'll talk all about the game, how it went. I don't think there's anything that would surprise any of us going into that game. And so, um, and then to, to end up, we'll end always with our tune in, listen up, and click on segment. And so when it comes to our listen up segment, Again, I really encourage Turin Davenport's Locked On Eagles podcast. They are our team. It's good to, the team we're playing this week. It's good to know your enemy. Check him out, as well as Matt Williamson's Locked On NFL podcast. They do a great job. For tune in, again, it's this weekend. The Buckeyes are playing tomorrow. They're playing Tulsa. Uh, it should be another game where the Brown or the Buckeyes can dominate. It may not be 77-10 but I expect the Buckeyes to have a very good game against a team that's a little bit better than Bowling Green, but not that much better. And then on Sunday, obviously, you're going to tune in to our Cleveland Browns at the Philadelphia Eagles, 1 p.m. Look forward to that game. And then when it comes to click on, I encourage you to click on theringer.com. 
Uh, the Ringer has some really, really good stuff up. There's a piece from just about Justin Blackman and where he has disappeared. There's also a piece um, from a guy on Twitter called at Smart Football. I love the uh, stuff that he puts out. He just gives a, a perspective to things that you're just not used to seeing. And so uh, in his piece uh, on the Ringer today, it's his first piece, uh, Chris talks about um, the Chip Kelly offense and some of the things that he does and maybe some of the struggles there. And so, again, that'll be your click on. Click on the ringer.com as well as the OBR, and that's where you can find all my Browns writing at the Orange and Brown Report. We're a part of the Scout Network. So, again, that is our Listen Up. Turin Davenport, Locked On Eagles. Matt Williamson, Locked On NFL Podcast. Your tune in is the Buckeyes and the Browns this weekend. Again, hopefully two victories. And your click on is on the ringer.com. They have some great stuff up. Again, one from Chris Brown, uh, who is at Smart Football on Twitter, and also one about Justin Blackman that I just think is great to look at from a mental health perspective, a social analysis perspective, what has happened to the one-time great wide receiver. Again, my name is Jared Mueller. Thank you for being locked on the Browns, and go Browns. You are locked on Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.